can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hello everybody! I am Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my good friend, Jane Blackburn Hammer, and you are listening to Movies We Missed. It's a podcast dedicated to revisiting the films of yesteryear, and each week one of us picks the movie and the other person watches, and we have a little fun talking about it all. Janie, 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 <laughs> you're in the house. Hi, Branny, Branny, Branny. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. Shaken but not stirred. Yeah, you know? <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what that means in this context, but... Mm. I'm living it. Yeah, yeah, that's typical. Um, are you having Are you having a cocktail? I am. Yeah. I. Uh, what are you having? It's not great. It is. I'm trying to like watch the cows. So it's essentially mm-hmm. gin and tonic without tonic. So it's gin, lime juice, and like carbonated water. It's only okay. Carbonated so a gin water and soda. Because... Okay. Yeah. So gin and soda. I. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's I like a very. That's like a very standard drink, I feel like. Or like, I mean, usually it's vodka soda or tequila Uh, and soda. Yeah, tonic would definitely be better than the carbonated water. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have any tonic. Uh, I also feel like in my 20s, I drank a lot of vodka sodas because I was like, oh, I gotta be thin. I can't drink my cows. But I was like, this doesn't taste very good. It's not great. It's not horrible. Mm. It would definitely be better with... Like, I, I genuinely enjoy the taste of gin and tonic. Well, That's, me too. But, yeah, and also, yeah. to be fair, I like gin better than I like vodka. I don't. Vodka doesn't really taste like anything. Oh, totally. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and... So, I, like, if it's a good gin, then, you know... For sure. And we have... Yeah, okay. So, our, our producer <laughs> is chiming in. Apparently, he's broken into my home. And he just showed us a can of tonic water. I was actually going to say, we do have one can of tonic tonic water but i kept getting in trouble with said producer because i would open it and i literally just want a, like enough tonic water for a drink but then, it's a splash yeah it, yeah but then you're screwed because then you've wasted a can of tonic water because it's like well honey you, you know they come in like resealable like no for sure but bottles. i just recently got this like whole, like gin and tonic thing happening so now for sure i'm gonna get one of the, the little bottles of it because you're right mm-hmm. like, just re-screw the top on keep it moving you really a can is only if you're gonna have three or four right um, which is not a bad idea it's summertime and it's summertime. gin and tonic is a very summery drink and like you're really inspiring me i feel like i never get it together to make a cocktail before we start recording and i feel like i should put time in my schedule to do that but i literally make a cocktail every every time before we why don't you tell me or have you not noticed me i literally am always i just i'm drinking water i think i i'm not always drinking (laughs) end of sentence leave it at that brandon has a problem and Um, this podcast is your intervention how dare you i'm gonna go get a cocktail oh okay a little cocaina (laughs) okay cocktail i feel you no, that that's cocaine. I, I mean, I'm going to make a drink real quick. We'll oh, edit this one, out. One time I made it, okay. <laughs> that doesn't mean what you think it means. Ugh, There's a choice for love and a time for living. Take a chance and face the wind. Do we need tonic water? There were times 
lost a dream or two found a trail and at the end was you I can do better than that hold on my paints will be better show me that smile show me that smile don't waste another minute on your crying we're nowhere near the end the best is ready to begin Ooh, as long as we got it What's this verse this is a whole nother verse i've never heard before <laughs> Are you like looking at the lyrics? Thing? Yeah, I wanted support. I wanted to know that I was getting the lyrics right, so I decided to take a peek. I always love those extra verses and like a theme song that you no, know, you never really hear the light of day. Um, <clears throat> digress. Um, Anyways, so now I have my cocktail. We can officially start talking about this movie. Okay, we, which what, I we chose. Jane uh, picked the movie, and I was um, the watcher this week. Not just on this movie. I have a very active sex life as well, um, but. <laughs> In this instance, I will say that I watched Le Moulin Rouge. Le Moulin Rouge. This the Baz Luhrmann opus. This is going to be a tough episode for um, my French accent because it's not good and I don't know how to pronounce French words. You? So <laughs> it's going to be tough for my ego at least. What about Something you? Do you feel like, because I, I never took French. I never took French class. I did. Um, I took French for three years. Um, oh, wow. So we'll see. One of my close friends who was in those French classes with me is now has a PhD in French. <laughs> um, my friend Jody. Um, so obviously, Jody, I um, hope you're listening and judging. <laughs> we took um, we took different journeys and we mm. applied the skills from that class in different ways. I learned sure. a lot of scrappy behavior in that class. <laughs> what um, does that mean? I mean, I learned a lot of resourcefulness. I learned how to sweet talk my way out of maybe getting assignments turned in in the most expeditious fashion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a um, lot of that in most of my classes. But... I did love French. I should have taken Spanish 1000%. And my mom, I remember being like, we live in Texas. You're going to use Spanish <laughs> way more than you're going to use French. But that was just like, okay, this is when I double down. Um, yeah. I mean, I did nothing. My parents told me to and regret most of it. But, you know. Yeah. Most of those, m yeah. Most of the stuff my mom told me to do, I should have just done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I hope our parents aren't listening and use that against us later when we decide to not take their advice in the future. I wonder if my mom will listen to this. I, part of me is just like, no way. And the other part of me is like, we'll see. I think my mom will listen. At least I feel like your mom will. Maybe not the whole thing. <laughs> just if like, I like came to my mom and I was like, it's a hit, then I feel like my mom would be like, okay, I'll listen now. Um, <laughs> that is so funny to me. Okay, um, let me read the synopsis so we can start talking about the yes, movie. Yes, give me okay. the synopsis, Jane. The year is 1899, and we open in Montmartre, a neighborhood set on a large hill in Paris, and home to the Bohemian Revolution at the turn of the century. Art, sex, music, love, and a healthy amount of sex work are on the menu, and moving into town for a little slice is our hero Christian. 
He's a penniless writer from England with no previous credits and no contacts. But, like every overly confident white man, he knows he's going to make it. He suddenly gains an incredible opportunity to write a new show for some bohemian artists whom he encounters when one of them falls through the floor of his apartment. They make their way to the Moulin Rouge, where one of the artists, Toulouse Lautrec, has promised to set up a meeting with Harry Ziedler, the owner of the famous club, to pitch their idea. Through various shenanigans, Christian is mistaken for a wealthy duke who gains a private audience with the Moulin Rouge most desirable courtesan, Satine. After many misunderstandings, they finally are able to pitch their play to the duke who makes a promise to invest and finance the play. There's just a few conditions. The duke will hold on to the deed of the Moulin Rouge, he will get artistic control over the direction of the play, and finally, Satine, who will star in the play, belongs to the duke for the duration of the play's production. There's just one problem. Christian and Satine are falling deeply and madly in love. Will the Duke find out and pull the plug on the whole thing? Will the Moulin Rouge go down in flames? That becomes the least of our problems when it's revealed Satine is dying. Will she save the Moulin Rouge and sleep with the Duke? Or will she spend what little life she has left with Christian, the love of her life? Will love or money win out? Are bohemian ideals just for sale to the highest bidder? Stick around to find out. And that's it. That's that the was Moulin wonderful. Rouge. I loved that. Thank you. Was my French was... okay? Your French was really sexy. I thought that th- those rouges were going to take you out of that seat. I thought they were literally going to knock you out of that chair, and I was ready for it. It the did. It rouge. Rouge. I love it, it. Interestingly, a lot of ab work when speaking French, for me at least, because I I mean, hopefully I'm doing it right, but you never know. So. No, it was dead sexy. <clears throat> Um, Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I I also I enjoyed the movie. I watched the movie twice. The first time I watched it, I hated it. Um, it was torturous. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that might be the case. I thought this is going to be one movie that I give to Brandon that he absolutely fucking hates. But I watched it again, and the second time that I watched it, I really liked it. Um, That's a plot twist. Yeah, right. That's um that's the gag of all gags. I I didn't know what I was going to what I was going to feel and then I I really thoroughly enjoyed it and I was really like I was caught up in the story and I think the first time I was watching it what I will say about this movie is that I don't do great with Baz Luhrmann directed joints. Um mm-hmm. they're really like sometimes they get really choppy and really like chaotic in a way that like totally. I think it's hard for my brain to like process. The second time I had all of the facts so I was able to sort of sit back and just sort of take it in the first time I didn't know anything about this film I mean I knew Mm -hmm. Nicole Kidman was in it and I knew honestly really the only thing I knew was Nicole Kidman and Ethan Hawke and so I Ian McGregor (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I'm not gonna do this I kept you actually actually you are gonna do this the whole time I know I kept right writing I kept writing Ethan. I don't know they remind me of each other for some reason that's I don't know why crazy they're completely different actors they're fully different and have been in very different things yeah I mean what I can't even think of an Ethan Hawk joint I can only think of I, I can think of Training reality Day. bites Right? And Gattaca. Those are the movies I know. And I only know Gattaca because that's where he met Uma Thurman. Yuma, if we're going to do proper French. But... um, I don't think... I don't think Uma is French. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So... um, Wait. Mike, can I... I want to relate to you. Yeah. 
first of all, that makes me feel good to relate to people in my life. And second of all, I have mentioned this before, and I think I mentioned it when I told everybody last week that you were going to be watching this. But I hated this movie the first time I saw it, too. And I walked out of the movie theater. Okay, but did you walk out of the movie because you were confused because you came in the movie late? Or did you walk out of the movie yes. because you genuinely... So you didn't hate the movie. You just didn't know No, what I was like, what is this? This is so weird. I don't get it. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. And I was like, I don't want to watch this. This is psycho. And also, one of the things that I did know while I was watching this movie, it was really, particularly in the first, like... 10 minutes so much happens so much exposition is set up there's it's like a visual feast there's such quick cuts such quick edits i barely was able to take notes and i can't imagine watching it for the first time and trying to take notes that would have been impossible i have a question for you and this is actually kind of a hard question and you're gonna be like of course i don't know brandon but okay do you remember the first time you watched this movie when you came into the theater do you remember what was happening you know, this is funny that you mentioned this because I tried to think of that. Okay. And I do think it was during, like, the dance number at the Moulin Rouge. Okay. When, like, Satine gotcha. was singing, like, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. And Which was written for this for this film, actually. Yeah. yeah, no, it's never been performed anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, all the music has never been performed anywhere else. It was all original all music. Fully original actually, music. most from the mind of Boz. He wrote all of, he penned most of these songs. Some of them yeah, went on to become substantial hits. Yeah, so I could see that would be enough because you would have zero context. And especially, I like, n- I didn't as a know, young and, kid, you know? Right. If you miss that first 10 minutes, there's so much setup that you have no idea what's going on. It takes a long time. You can catch on but it would take a very long time i think to put together all the pieces exactly i wasn't doing that work i I mean i missed some stuff in that first those initial moments i missed some stuff that the second time through i was like oh like the moment when she's on stage performing god i'm horrible because i kept writing down it was hard for me to remember the character's name so i kept writing down actors names and i do the same thing every single week um for every movie that we watch okay so jim broadbent (laughs) Yes. The moment that she's on stage with Jim Ziedler. Ziedler. Yes. Harry Harry Ziedler. Harry Ziedler. Yes. Yeah. So when Satine and Ziedler, who's like a father figure to her, the two of them are on stage performing, and he sort of he says, like was almost character Tolaus, correct? So it's um, first of all <laughs> It sounded like you were saying Nessie I'm not doing Toll this House. That's what, I, that's what I thought it was. It's Toulouse Lautrec. I think Toulouse. is like okay. I think that's how you pronounce it. If you like, if you're a horrible American, is Toulouse Lautrec. He and so it's based on like the painter. Yes, of the yeah. same name. Yeah, and they. So actually that's the only reason why I know how to pronounce that. And some of the the dialogue, especially in the scene towards the end when he's speaking with Christian and he's giving him the cookie recipes. There's a moment where he's giving him the Tolaus family cookie <laughs> recipes to take to the states with him one day, and to, you know, and Phoebe's grandmother gets a hold of it. And Phoebe's grandmother gets a hold of it. <laughs> don't um, think I don't know what tree you're climbing up. Exactly. I, I was gonna get there, but give me to the punch. I was gonna bring Lisa Kudrow into entire all together um, okay. but i am gonna actually get i haven't even gotten to my notes yet okay so okay, i'm sorry i'm sorry no no, no I, it's I derail fine. this okay so first of all the movie came out june 1st 2001 it was initially released only in two theaters it made one hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars 
and then it was released globally. And it ended up making worldwide around 180 million. Uh, it the budget was like 52 million, so obviously it was a big hit. It was supposed to be released around Christmas time, 2000, to make it like an Oscar contender for that season. But due to the post production schedule, Baz Luhrmann was really like. I mean, obviously, if you've seen the movie, you know it's a movie that heavily depends on a lot of after effects and things of that nature. So it it didn't end up getting released until a spring of 2001, and it was okay. an Oscar contender that season too um and it did get nominated for a few oscars right yeah i i want to say like eight oscars it nicole kidman was nominated it was nominated for best picture it was a big deal that Boz lerman was not nominated for best director yeah i did um, see that it was like it a won snub. for I, i'm sorry it won for costume design and it won for art direction interestingly it's the only movie that had been that's been nominated for a best picture oscar where none of the supporting cast was nominated in in any of the supporting categories interesting so that was yeah that is unique um although jim broadbent did win the bafta for best supporting actor um, he was great i mean he's, he's always wonderful. good yeah he, he's but this is good. a i mean this is a pretty big departure from i think what we mostly know him you know totally. for but it's wonderful and the skill set that he has totally lends itself to this so this it, it's great it's a great movie um, some of the things I noted, uh, I thought at the beginning, it was really, there's the moment with Chris Schoen, um, where he's at the typewriter and he's pained. And I just wrote down, like, this is such a familiar tableau for Ewan McGregor. Like, mm-hmm. he's so good at the forlorn. Um, oh, absolutely. The forlorn, heartbroken young man. I, I love Ewan McGregor so much. Like, I feel like he's someone who that I like, if he's in a movie, besides the Star Wars movies, because I'm not watching any of the fucking Star Wars movies. But if he's in a movie, I will go see it based on him being in it because I just like I think he is just such a lovely actor and yeah, so ta- like so good and like particularly in this movie like he just has <laughs> this like sweetie peedy face that you just like root for I just like yeah. I, I, I love him I agree. It, he's he's very lovable. No, I I really enjoy Ewan McGregor, and I think this was a great part for him to showcase those things that he does so well, and to just sort of see him. He, I mean, he's in a lot of like gritty, grimy movies, so it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting to see him in a movie that sort of had this kind of heart and his character. Yeah. Ewan McGregor. I don't think Ewan McGregor plays naive a lot in film, so yeah, it was sort of interesting to see him as the open-hearted. One thing I did note was that the song Nature Boy, which is used throughout the film, you know, is made famous in the 1940s. Nat King Cole. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. I love that song so much. I love to listen to it. I love to sing it. There's been millions of renditions of it. It's just one of the most beautiful songs. They use it over and over again in this film. And so... What? I, I don't just, even know which song that is. It's the... There was a boy. And oh. Boy. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And I so, didn't know what that song was called. Yeah, it's called Nature Boy. Um, mm-hmm. Gorgeous song. Um, Nat King Cole, I think, was the first person to ever record a version Yeah. I do, yeah, I have like a vague memory now of hearing the original version. <laughs> One to you. But you know what I'm talking about when I say they use it throughout the film. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me let me describe to you that like I know every word to every song. Okay. Then yeah, yeah. then you know, yeah, then you know way more than I do. Just act like it. <laughs> well, um, as per usual, you are so much better at the research part <laughs> than I am. I did do this research too, but I also I like don't write down notes on it. I'm just like, well, I'll remember to bring that up, and then I never do. Oh, okay. She's trusting yeah. that brain of hers. Um, yeah, which has not been a friend. 
<laughs> no, I, I also thought it was it was interesting because right at the beginning we find out that Satine dies, like literally, or that she is dead. Oh, oh, we've oh, I understand. Yeah, what you're saying. it's yes, like yeah. she's already dead. Um, yeah. so I was just like, oh, okay, that's not really like here or there. I just thought like, oh, I was not expecting to get that. Yeah, they rip the bandaid off fast. You know, well, it's like they set you up for being like, well, you know, no matter what happens, you're losing this character. Yeah, so no, like you can fight for whatever outcome you want, but the outcome it's is not happening. No, they rip the condom be, off really early in this film. Yeah, she's gonna <laughs> rip the condom off. Yeah. I, okay. Anyways, you know she's gonna. This is gonna end with her six feet under, which is yeah, exactly. Hopefully, right? Not in like a <laughs> pile of Kindle. Somebody like, a sh- like Sweeney Todd style. You know, Mrs. Lovett get a hold of her. <laughs> I um, don't. I don't know Sweeney Todd at all. I'm gay. So, so I'm just. <laughs> Sondheim, like we always do. We have to reference Sondheim or musical theater, Lorna Luff, something. You have to, I, or we will like. I do love a lot of it. those things. Oh, I, I love a lot of musical theater, but I don't. Uh, there's so many musicals that I don't know. I have like no, the sure. few that I'm obsessed with, and then for sure, I don't know. We should watch. We should watch Winnie Todd. I have the or not the original because <sighs> not the Johnny Depp one. Don't no, no, not the Johnny one. Depp one. But okay. I have the one. I think it's from 1984. I want to say with um, George Hearn and Angela Lansbury. It's really incredible, and it sort of oh. ruins all the other ones for you. Yeah, Helena Bonham doesn't quite cut it, but I uh, love her though. So anyway, um, I love Helena. No, she's great. She's great. But I mean, come on, Angela Lansbury. Mrs. Lovett? That's just her part. Anyway, I digress. So, yeah, one of the first voices that I heard singing was Rufus Wainwright. There's, like, a moment, a really quick snippet, and I thought, like, of any, like, that's the most appropriate voice for, like, a movie that is, has leanings in contemporary world, but, like, is also hearkening back to, like, a time from long ago, like, France Mm -hmm. in, like, turn of the century. So it just, it was perfect to hear his voice, and I thought, yeah, this is exactly who you want to get to do this i just love rufus wainwright so much i love him i love that song i love his voice on that He's song delightful. i love his voice on that song in this movie it all works baby i kept having because i didn't know a lot about this movie although it had a cast full of people that i really loved i was so excited to see leguizamo when he popped up i had i mean i, I he was wearing a prosthesis a prosthesis right like his nose he was wearing like yeah aesthetic nose. I, so like, I, couldn't... I think the first time i saw this movie i didn't realize it was him to like halfway through the movie I didn't realize it was, I mean, it was like half a scene for me, but I didn't realize that it was him for a moment because I was like, that's not him. And then once they got a kind of a little bit of a close, I just, I just love John Leguizamo so much. He's such a great actor. And, you know, Dave mentioned he sort of popping in and out and he saw him and he just said, oh, he's so great. He's so underrated. And it's so true. Like he's one of the most underrated actors that like, I feel like people don't talk about. That is my first note is that John Leguizamo First of all, to use a very popular internet meme, John Leguizamo always understands the assignment. And he is so good in everything he does. And people do not talk about his range enough. He's, like He, he has is crazy range. He has crazy range. He pops up in absolutely everything. He gives 150,000% to everything. And he is criminally underrated and I will make it my dying wish and legacy to make people pay attention and give John Leguizamo all of their love and money and awards. I've been wondering what your legacy was going to be and I'm happy that I finally <laughs> know. 
Because it's a good I, one. I've, I've been, been searching you for it. Sort of putter your way through life and mm -hmm. just sort of silently wondering, like, <laughs> what does she think she's leaving the world with? Uh, also, I, I didn't decide on my legacy until about 0.5 seconds into that sentence. So that now that it's, it's sorted and I have committed myself on and it's being recorded and pumped out to the world. Mm -hmm. um, I've sort of backed myself into a corner and will eventually <laughs> have to put my money where my mouth is. So if you die before me, I'll make sure that it's that it's pushed through and I'll make sure that the world um, knows you as you really were. Mm -hmm. authentically so I'm gonna let that just float um and um one of the things that I, one of the things that I, I realized about one and a half seconds too late that that was actually a threat and not a kindness it, you know what it's it's however we choose to look at the colors in the rainbow really is what it comes down to um so uh, uh, that means nothing, by the way. So don't no, think about it, that yeah, any more no, than absolutely that was for nonsense. our listeners. It was just letting them know that that was complete nonsense, <laughs> which I'm sure they've caught on to at this point. Yeah, um, it's the most of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I did note that it's funny. The first time I watched this movie, I was like, okay, he sounds okay, I guess. Everybody's bowled over by Ewan McGregor's voice in this film, Christian's Ooh. voice. Oh, really? And I feel like oh. everybody's very like. <sighs> Do you mean the cast? Like yeah. when he sings? Yeah. Oh, see, I my interpretation of that situation is totally different. Oh. See, I don't think they're bowled over by his voice. I think they're bowled over by the fact that he his ability to write a song and like come up oh. with it and like write a beautiful song. But I don't think it's like, oh, his he's got the voice of an angel. See, I couldn't and maybe it's because he's singing the lyrics and so in mm -hmm. those moments and he does he sounds nice. He does he's sound got, nice. He's got a great voice. I mean but I have I said like, I, I sorry, I keep interrupting you. Oh no, 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 you're fine. I was just thinking the cast was like, let's let's just calm down. It's just I feel like I was getting a lot of like <gasps> <laughs> But I get what you're saying. I mean and to be fair, he is singing some of the most beautiful songs Ever of written. the last like century you know absolutely and they're great songs and so that's that was my interpretation people were like oh my god he just writes these incredible songs this incredible music and lyrics and pours out of him but i have said and i will say this again and i'll say it till the day i die this movie is obviously not a vocal master class it's not about that no, but it's not everyone sounds good that may have honestly maybe that would have distracted honestly i think so i think so which is why i took that interpretation of you and mcgregor singing for sure it was, and it was more about the songwriting as opposed to the it's vocals. yeah and it's more yeah it's more about sort of conveying that and so yeah okay mm -hmm. that makes sense and and that totally is warranted i i wrote down oh he's straight up stealing elton and um <laughs> And Bernie's song, um, <laughs> when he went in on, on your song and everybody was gagging. And mm -hmm. I was just like, all right, okay, I see you. They don't know about it, so cool, They cool, don't cool. know about it. They Somehow don't know where you're... it came from. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> 1800s Paris. Get it in, boy. And they Should we, like, can we talk about how amazing the costumes are, though? Let's talk, let's go, yes. The costumes okay. in this movie are incredible. Everybody looks amazing. Um, they said that it was, like, 80 people at one time just, like, making costumes, like, to get costumes done, which is a lot. That's incredible. I mean, um, what if you think about it, it's a huge cast, particularly not even just, like, the main players, but everybody who had to be, like, all the, the 
featured extras and and the background players all had to be in the period looks and all that kind of stuff. Everyone looks incredible in this film. Everybody looks amazing. And I mean, I don't know. I'm sure maybe some of the stuff on some of the extras and street scenes was maybe like rented or whatever. But I mean, a a lot of these costumes are clearly like handmade and beautiful. I mean, it really takes you back in time. But the thing about this movie that I think the first time was so jarring for me was like tonally at times Mm -hmm. it does watch like an MTV music video in a way. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's by accident. Um, yeah. It, it has that sort of like, there were certain like color schemes and cinematic choices that like had that sort of like, there was a quickness and there was a saturation and there was this sort of like um, cadence to like mm-hmm. the, the movements and things that reminded you of like early aughts. Like, you know, it was MTV like that, that, that fever dream of like yeah, trl yeah, 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 yeah. where like they show it's it is like a trl fever dream set in like the 1900s because you are literally getting the quickest cuts from all of these incredibly complex visual things yeah, yeah, yeah. and like it is like a video playing on trl where a the video itself is so quick but it's also only paid for like 30 seconds and sure. so like you have to drink in all of this knowledge and you have to be like you know and they are giving you a ton of exposition on top of this like visual feast which is so jarring it slows down it does the the first like 20 minutes they're they're really packed and there were times that was mostly when i'm trying to like take notes and stuff that first time where i'm like i i can't look away because there's so Mm -hmm. much happening and there's so much information which is why the second time i was like oh like there was the moment there's that classic sort of like it's a trope that's a trope for a reason it just works it's the whole the mistaken identity trope that sort of like sets everything up where satine's performing ziggler says to her the duke's over there that's a person who's gonna you know we we, who you know i promised you to and Mm -hmm. she looks up and toll house i know it's wrong (laughs) is Toulouse is you can call having a conversation Zana. with Christian's character. They're right next to each other, the Duke and Christian. And so she looks up, mistakenly thinking that Christian is the Duke. And then it, it's just a really funny little little moment. And it just works. It that, those, those, those are always so satisfying, those switchers. And I think, great. like, if you want to set up a scenario where there are a lot of shenanigans, go for some mistaken identity. Because that's always going to be like, you can, I feel like you can get as big with that as you want to. And this is like huge. You know, uh, yeah. like, oh, no, you're no, you're 100% correct. It is, it really works. And yeah, so I wrote that down. I also wrote down that Nicole, the moment that she comes in, she it's Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, right? That's what she's singing when she's yeah. in that very first moment. Um, she's mm-hmm. in a beautiful, encrusted, crystal encrusted, shiny bustier. Um, she looks amazing. I, she looks incredible. And, and she's so fucking pale like i didn't know a human being could be that pale and i actually read that they had to use they had to switch out the lights they were going to use i think it was going to be red lights and they switched them to blue lights because of how pale she was um yeah so and i I also wrote down that every 12 year old girl wanted to be satine i can imagine watching this movie as like 12 or 13 and being like absolutely give me a long give me like an insane because that was red a wig satin dress. Knows. Oh yeah, that was definitely a wig. Um, it was a really good. No, wig, no, it's a, it's no, it's an amazing wig. And I was staring at it. I looked it up because I was just mm-hmm. thinking, God, is that her hair? It is so 
beautiful. It's no less it has beautiful. To be She's human. no less beautiful because it's no. not her hair. I'm just saying, like, in that moment, it was like, and I also thought, like, that's the perfect shade of red. If I were, Absolutely. like, if, if I were a pale white woman and I wanted red hair, that would be the shade of red, red hair that I would want. And, but also, I mean, the thing is with any of these movies and the hair and all of that, like a lo- most of the times it's just wigs because you don't want to put your hair through that. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And people, people who have to like, I've heard like horror stories, people who've producers or whatever, who've demanded that they dye their actual hair because they want the authenticity as opposed to oh, yeah, like It's like your hair is fucking fried. Like Mila Jovovich in, um, in Fifth Element. That was like yeah. with her character, her hair started to fall out from oh all of that god. crazy orange dye. I will Isn't say, this... like, that oh my god, Mila Jovovich in that movie and that hair, I was like, can I pull <laughs> off orange hair? And the answer is always no for 99.9% of the population. So if you're thinking about it, don't do it. But I would say man. go get a wig and have that moment as opposed to <laughs> yes. going into your, you know, your hot topic yes. or wherever and looking for something <laughs> and starting writing a check that we know that ass isn't going to be able to sufficiently catch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have my moments sometimes where I'm like, blonde? Am I? Can I dye my hair blonde? And then the answer is no the next morning. But I mean, I, yeah. I, const- I dye my hair every 10 seconds and you know it looks great on you thank you i've had every color under the sun um but you know you have your you have your good looks and your less than good looks Yeah, this is um, this is fun. This is it's it's great. This opening scene, Jim Broadbent's wonderful. This is a wonderful mm-hmm. use of him and his abilities as a character actor. They have a lot of Nicole and, and him have a lot of chemistry together. There's a moment. They do. I love their back and forth. It's great. It's great. It's a very like parental sort of relationship. Um, mm-hmm. and there's there's a moment that I actually I the first time I watched it I thought about it and then I didn't write it down and the second time I, I was like I'm gonna bring this up. Um, uh, there is this. <laughs> whole thing that Nicole Kidman does in this scene where she makes this noise it's like and she keeps doing it and it, it's insane but it was the first time I watched it I was like what the fuck is she doing but the second time I watched it I was endeared to her and I was sort of like alright Nicole I'll, I think here's the thing about Nicole Kidman I always think like Nicole Kidman that's her, that's who we're hanging our hat on because in my mind Nicole Kidman is a boring actress but in reality she is actually really good like she's she, I love her actually like a really good actress and like I yes. can't think of a, she does great she's a great actress in films and I don't know why that that was my my go-to thought I, I have that issue with Renee Zellweger sometimes before but you move not to before you move drama. on I do want to talk about that noise that Nicole Kidman noise <laughs> You know exactly what I'm talking about? Of course, I know exactly what we're talking about because <laughs> as I was watching this movie, first of all, I I will preface this by saying I also, I love Nicole Kidman and a big reason why I love her so much is really rooted in this movie because I saw oh, this okay. when I was younger and I just loved her and I love this movie, obviously. But um, <laughs> I was watching this at home and my wife, Tara, went out for a couple of hours and I was like, well, I got to watch Moulin Rouge for the podcast. And she's like, okay, great. Like, I'm going to go out and take a walk and take the dog to Forest Preserve. You have plenty of time to watch a movie. And of course, as she was gone for several hours and I totally procrastinated, did a bunch of other things. And so I didn't start watching until about like 10 minutes before she actually walked back into the house. 
And we're, she sat down and watched a little bit with me. And as soon as we got to that point when they're in the elephant and Nicole is like seducing the Duke and starts like whipping her negligee around and is making the, I don't know, that trilling noise with her mouth. Tara gets up and she's like, I fucking hate Nicole Kidman and leaves the room. <laughs> I, I I get it. I, I do. I, I think that the second time, the first time I watched it, I like, I think my eyes got stuck in the back of my head. Um, and then this time I watched it and I just sort of gave over to it. You and, have to let it and be. I was just it's like, part of the okay, ridiculousness. I'll, I'll just, I'll just lean into like the frenzy of to. this, of this moment. And like, it's like the, it's the performative nature of her reckless abandon, but it's on purpose. And it yes. is, it's cheap and it's a delightful and it's in a way it's a satire of of that woman and of that character and of those tropes and so once I sort of like settled into that I was able to actually be delighted by it and I had that moment where I was like there's a reason that these moments are satired in film because they are such a huge part of the fabric of film that character Mm -hmm. that archetype and what what more fun what more fun to do with it you know the thing is i also wrote down <laughs> this is horrible i also wrote down nicole kidman is not sexy which is perfect <laughs> what they, i wrote down initially i wrote down nicole kidman is not sexy and then the second time i watched this movie i amended it and i wrote next to that which is perfect for this part mm-hmm. like she is like because if she's too so sexy then it's no longer like it, it already teeters a line as far as family film goes, but <laughs> I know a lot of families do watch it, and it's because mm-hmm. there's something that is you don't have your guard up when you're dealing with. If you want to cast somebody as a as a prostitute in a film, and families to to not be threatened by this person, then like you you cast Nicole Kidman or you cast Julia Roberts because right. you watch those films and you think there's no fucking way. There's right. no way. Like, and I there's don't a buy relatab- you. You're not a prostitute. And there's a relatability to them where it's like, oh, I could know this person. But I think that, like, if you over-sexify it and you overdo it, then it loses the humor, which I think is, like, you know, whether you enjoy this being a humorous moment or not, For it sure. undoubtedly is. Whether this is your brand of humor, at least that's what it's trying to be. And, oh, like, yeah. you can't, like, you don't get, like, Angelina Jolie doing that, you know? No, no, mean? no, no. It's, it's, no, <laughs> There's, there's no danger of that. There's the, there's the moment no. when she's alone with Christian, thinking that he's the Duke, prepared to seduce him. She thinks that's what they're in the room for. He's there to present songs to her because he wants her to star in the play that the Bohemians have, you know, told him, like, you know, we're going to get Satine on board. We're going to get Ziggler on board. It'll be a big hit. And so he's alone in the room with her. And there's a moment where she sort of realizes that I'm going to have to, mistakenly, of course, but, oh, I have to seduce him. He's talking about the play. She thinks he's talking about, you know, sex and his penis and he talks about how you know he needs help getting getting to the place he needs to get to he means to present the courage to present these songs to her she thinks he means that he's having issues achieving an erection and he's like oh well i'll help you with that and it's like nicole no you won't i'll put anybody get a heart on but it's something about it being her that like she when nicole kidman walks over and like you know this like corset from like you know the 1800s and it's like Ooh, I'll show you. You'll have a boner in no time. 
And it's like, eh, I can't promise that, but you're going to have some bony fun. But yeah. And it's like someone going that big can never be sexy because it's comedy. You know? Oh, yeah. And, that, and, that's, and that's what we're that's what we're after. And, and those moments mm-hmm. were actually very charming. And they did endear me to her character. Although I did keep forgetting that she was supposed to be a courtesan just because it's hard to buy Nicole Kidman as a courtesan. And so she really being... never, like where we meet her, she really never, well, I mean, until her back and forth with the Duke, she really doesn't have to like take clients you know and she even then doesn't really take a client there's no (laughs) moment in this movie where Baz Luhrmann was like I'm gonna have her blow a common man (laughs) we're gonna we're selling this courtesan narrative if it's the last thing I do it's like no that's not a concern it's just her winking and giving like and then like walking out of rooms and we're like oh yeah that's a working girl I did read like uh, a, a like one of the drafts of the script was written so that the Duke seduces both Christian and Satine and gets them hooked on that. on morphine, oh, and I'm like, God. that is not this movie. <laughs> like, I just heard seduces both, and I like the idea of sexual oh, ambiguity. So I was like, trust okay. me, you know I'm here for you know an absolute queer romp in the hay, but. That's not this movie. Of course not. That's not what happened. I, and also, I, I hope it's not the Duke because the Duke is gross. I actually didn't think he was gross. I thought he was kind of cute. Are you fucking kidding me? He I, like, was like, I thought literally he was, designed no, he's to be disgusting. He's despicable, but I thought the actor was actually kind of like handsome. I was not able to like, I'm not able to make that jump because, well, A, I don't know if I've ever seen a picture of him outside of this character. And B, he is so synonymous with being an absolute disgusting creep and like the voice he puts on and that weird know, like whistle. It's, it's, I mean, that actor is incredible. Yeah, like, it's a great, it's a great such a good job. But like, he's almost too good because now I'm just like, ew, that guy's fucking disgusting. I, I kind of identified with him. Brandon, what are you not like? Not like I, I, not like I. I, No, it's a testament. It's a testament to a good actor because it's not that I identified with him, but I, I thought he gave one of the best performances in the film. That actor. Oh my god, I fully Um, agree. I fully agree. There's, there's a moment at the end after he's been punched in the face when he comes back in and he realizes he's not gonna get the girl, Mm -hmm. and he gets punched in the face and he's on the ground and he sits up and it is like he's never like you can tell that 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 the duke in that moment that characterization that he's never felt so small and insignificant in his life and that is to the credit of that actor that he was able to convey that type of angst and hopelessness yeah Um, to wear that on your face is is amazing it's interesting in graduate school one of the questions and it's something that has stuck with me one of the things that one of my professors used to always say um he had this idea of the super objective which is um there's the objective characters in performance as an actor it's great to sit down score a script go through the journey of a character and objectives in in, in scenes change over the course of the play but the super objective is sort of the overall objective of a character over the course of a play. And his, mm-hmm. at least the way that he approached it, there may be different approaches, was I want the world to see me as blank because I am not. Mm-hmm. And I think for the Duke, it's I, I want the world to see me as all-knowing and powerful because I am not. I want the world wow. to see me as important because I am not. Mm-hmm. And I think that in that moment, it was like, oh, 
Also, I will say, as an actor, those are the most fun parts to play. Oh my I've god, I can thought, only imagine. I always thought it was like the lead parts, but honestly, the lead parts are the most boring parts to play. And those characters that are loathed. Also, it's really great. I'm de- I'm getting I'm getting off track, but no, no, no. It, I'm I, I'm really. This is very interesting to me. It's just also it's really interesting because those parts, even if you're in, a, even if you're doing a particular performance, even if it's a great show and it's a great cast and a great script and everything's wonderful, you are gonna get those dead audience is you are going to get those matinee audiences where things just don't go right. When you're playing those types of characters where even in a dead audience, you know that you have a line that is going to get something out of them, whether they Mm -hmm. want to give it to you or not. Mm -hmm. There's something about that that is so satisfying that you know... Even if you're, you know, you're in the story, you're you're invested in, in the characters in this relationship, but you know when you say that thing, everybody in that audience is going to recoil. And they are, and it's, and you know the moment that they're going to turn on you. You, it, it just, mm-hmm. it is. And so I loved those audiences where it's like, you know, people are sort of, we're backstage passing each other. How's the audience? How's everything going? You know, oh, they're dead. Not getting anything. Not getting anything. And you get out there and you know, and you hear the, ugh. <laughs> oh, they're alive though. They felt that shit. They couldn't help it. I love that. So I think that's a part of why I identified with him. Um, but I'm going to, yeah. Well, I think there's, I, I didn't understand that you were saying you identified with the actor as opposed to the character, obviously. I mean, I am, I, I'm not an actor, but I am a writer. And I do think that the most interesting stories to tell are the weirdest, grotesque stories. You know what I mean? And I think oh, that sure. could be, and, and with characters that are like that, you know, and creating these moments where you do have someone say something or do something that you know is just going to cause so much I'd like gonna wreak it's it's, it, it's going to wreak havoc from who from you know the characters within the story and then also for whoever is experiencing the story and some of my and those are some of my favorite moments they're I feel like they're not always women but I feel like that's always where I'm like damn I'm never going to get to play that part unless I um, make unless I like write that there play There are so many evil men there are, but that's not the, that's not always the most fun for me. There's a, there's nothing more fun than like an like an evil like an evil female character. Like it's just so much more fun and interesting to me. Okay, I mean, I may get roasted for that, but like, there's like no, no, no. like you shouldn't be roasted for that. I agree, but I'm also I, I do. But agree you're right though. Most no, you're right. There are there are probably a lot more evil male characters and villains than mm-hmm. there are females. I'm not even really talking about like. I don't know. I just I love it so much. This is a whole separate conversation. Now. Yeah, this is this is but, a, this is a different podcast. But I do I do love it. There's a moment, and then I'm gonna get let's get us back on track. There's a moment in Little Foxes, a Lillian Hellman play, I, mm-hmm. and it's a moment. It's a movie also, famously starring you know Betty Davis. She's incredible, Oscar nominated performance. But there's a moment when her character needs money, and she wants to go in on this land deal with her brothers, and she has to wait for her husband to get back before she can get the approval for him, and she just knows he's gonna say yes, and her husband returns turns home he's been away on business he's sickly it's back when it took weeks to get home you know and he arrives home and he you know he tells her no we're not going in on this you know this deal with your brothers this scheme and he's like going upstairs and she goes i hope you die i hope you die soon i will be waiting for you to die 
and it is everything. It is so good. That just gave me like chills. Oh, it is. Now imagine Betty fucking Davis. Oh my god. Well, clearly it's I have to watch so that. It's so good though. But I understudied that play, and so I, I got to watch it from the house. And the actress, who's Shannon Cochran, she's incredible. But that moment was always the one, and you're just like, yes, yes. And I'm here for. I'm also here for the high drama. And oh my god. Well, always coming back to this movie, like one of the things that I love about it is like the stakes are so high the drama is as ridiculous as yeah. it can get it's, and it's so it good. plays to so like it plays to like my absolute like I love high stakes romance I love yes. high stakes like you know just consequences for like if you go after this person that you love and you'll lose everything and what will the choice be like this mm-hmm. like hits all of those because I'm such like a uh, I'm obsessed with romantic stories it's funny because i actually i also wrote down earlier i think i okay when i said the duke was cute i just mean that i think the actor's nice looking also he is really pretty skin that i wrote that down his skin is without a blemish and i obviously it's caked in makeup but i just i don't know something about it just whatever i know some people out there that are like he's kind of a little he's cute so anyway okay, I, I just i just i'm looking at his imdb he is actually quite attractive yeah he's a nice looking guy i although i did also write down it's this is such a david hyde pierce role like i could so see yeah Pierce playing a role like that but yeah so anyway so he he's a lot of fun i just wanted to talk about the fact that ewan mcgregor is was only 30 years old when he was playing this movie when he was playing this part are you shocked by that yes initially when i found out i was like how old would you have thought he was I don't know. I guess you thought I... he was older or younger. Older. Ewan McGregor has one of those faces. Ewan mm-hmm. McGregor. I actually skipped over. This was the note that I skipped over when when you just then. I I wrote down Ewan McGregor has so much makeup on in this movie. That's yes. what I wrote down. There are certain scenes where it is like it's like <laughs> a thick. It's like caked on almost, mm-hmm. and it's just like why? Why? I know. I mean, I, I, I don't mean, know. I, I just don't get it. Like it. And, and it's funny because like. I think it's in, I noticed it in the scene where he's alone with Satine for the first time. And there's a moment where he starts singing your song, mm-hmm. um, the Elton John, Bernie Taupin song. He starts singing it to her and the camera pans to him from her. And I'm sure, I know Nicole Kidman's, although she doesn't look like she's wearing a lot of makeup. She's wearing a lot of makeup. Is she? Okay. I, I mean, everybody, that, in, everybody. Everybody's wearing a lot of yeah. makeup. I know. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that down. Literally everyone's wearing a lot of it's makeup. It's not so. that it's poorly done. The makeup is good in this movie, but everybody sometimes sometimes they want it to make it look like they're yeah yeah low-key though sure. i really do you're the makeup person absolutely i know nothing about makeup and i i will admit that but i do genuinely feel like nicole kidman is not wearing like i feel like nicole kidman's skin Her- looks like nicole kidman's skin in like <laughs> in like movies and stuff i feel like it just That's looks like ha- that well okay so first of all i am sure nicole kidman has very beautiful skin but no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter how amazing your skin is, you still need to even out your skin tone. So For nobody sure. has like perfect skin tone that is going to look great 
on camera, no matter what. Brandon is, by the way, throwing faces right now to get, I'm not sure, but I this looks familiar and I would say this is fishing for compliments. <laughs> Brandon, you have beautiful skin. It looks great on your Zoom camera. But if you were starring in my movie, I would still want to even out your skin tone. Oh, there we go. But you know what? It's really well done on her. And it is harder. And I don't know because I'm not a professional makeup artist in any stretch of the imagination. I just am interested in makeup and I like it. But I do think it's harder to make, to put makeup on a male face or someone who's playing a male character and have it look natural in the same way it would be for a woman. I agree. Um, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that makes sense. I think there's just more difficult terrain, like just in terms of like facial hair and stuff like that. I think that that can be difficult as well. But I don't, again, I don't know because I've never done it. So this is just like a lot of assumptions I'm making. But you put makeup on people before. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I put makeup on men and women. But the thing is, it's always harder for me to put makeup on men, particularly men, and make it look natural, I think. Do you think that it's easier to put makeup on a a live person or a dead person? Um, (laughs) So... I have, of course, murdered, but I've never put makeup on anybody that I've murdered. So I don't right. know. She didn't fall for it, guys. <laughs> I'm going to get her to admit um, admit to the, some of the, the things that she's done in the dead of night. <laughs> yeah, so also, okay, there's this really great high drama scene where she's swinging from the swing. It's been this really great, huge musical number, and then... <sighs> and Nicole Kidman, who faints like nobody's business. I mean, like um, a goddamn pro. Do you think Nicole Kidman, like, just fake faints at home with Keith Urban sometimes? I know like, I would for attention. Like, if she's like, I want to put some shrimps on the bobby. And he's like, <laughs> no, Nicole. <laughs> and then she's like, oh. and he's like, oh, she's fighting again. Get around. She won't get away. Do you think that that's. We're going to have to take a moment with your Australian accent. <laughs> It was good, right? No, it had like a Rosie Perez vibe. It went I hate you. Way south. Mookie. Mookie. <laughs> exactly. I can't really do a Rosie Perez. Well, you just did it do, now. But I can do that. You know that dance and do the right thing where she's like, oh, Of course, it's iconic. I I can't do it. I'm gonna hurt myself. It's like <laughs> oh. Oh, I think I pinched something in my back. I hope you guys like, heard. Okay, like, first of all, you really committed, but he also didn't stand up from his chair. No, and I, I think I may have pinched something in my back for real. <laughs> so we got to deal with that later. Under uh, a swept. But yeah, no, Rosie Press, when she pops it, she's really getting it. Oh my God. She I is, and Press she's so doing much. it for us, and she's been doing it for us for years. And Can we get a I John wish Rosie... Rosamo, Rosie Perez television yeah. show. If anybody's listening who could make that happen, I could see them in like a really good dramedy, like an HBO half hour dramedy where they're brother Mm -hmm. and sister, maybe. I thought husband and wife, but I like brother and sister. Brother and sister gives you more to work with story. And we yeah. And we open on their father's funeral and they're having an argument over who's going to do the eulogy or something like that. And it gets really funny, but also kind of dark. I think we've got something there. When you said having an argument, I thought I, what I was thinking was instantly was they're having an argument over like the last piece of candy. They're at the <laughs> That's better. And like they're arguing over like a lozenge. Yeah. And like. That's way better. That's like, way better. Are you better. kidding me? You think you're going to take my last fucking lozenge? 
at my father's funeral. It's my father's funeral too. What are you talking about, Celeste? And it's just a two. Go ahead, take another thing for me. Go ahead, take another. No, why don't thing you fucking take it? All right, you got to give the eulogy and everything. Meanwhile, I'm over here. I'm chopped liver. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Let's just. Anyways, copyright, 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 copyright. Copyright. Don't trademark. do. Don't you dare. Our lawyers will be all over you. <laughs> we got your lawyer, Jane. Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so she faints. It's a really great moment. There's a large black man whose name, by the way, is... Oh my God, Le- I wrote I wrote this down. Did you write this down too? Because it is so l- fucked up. It's insane. It's Le Chocolate, which is so disrespectful. How dare it you? is so disrespectful. He has zero lines. He shows up a few times in the background. He only shows up to save the fucking day. To, Every to time he shows Satine. up, he saves Satine, and she never once even says, thank you. <laughs> she ne- and neither does Christian. Like, when Nobody. he saves her from, like, being raped by the Duke, by he the way. He saves her from sorry. plummeting to her death and dying in the first ten minutes of the movie. Exactly. That would have been and in the movie, like, guys. If, right. If, if Chocolat if didn't show chocolate, up. If La Hershey didn't capture her it would have been the end of it so so let's uh, how about a little bit of thank you and maybe like some respect for maybe a line or two right (laughs) and le chocolat saves her brings her back to christian after the duke and then christian just like orders him around he's like chocolat take satine back to her (laughs) house and like get her all set up to like leave with me and it's like yeah how like I thank you for saving the woman I love from being like sexually assaulted by this disgusting man. Well, it's like, man. can we get him like a glass of grenadine or something? Yeah, and also like give him off? a name, call him Pierre, whatever. Yeah, show some respect. It's insane. If there was like another little character running around named Le Vanilla, <laughs> then maybe I'd be like, all right, they're really into this this desserts, but no. But we also know that like. <laughs> uh, we their hearts are not in the right place I mean we're gonna have to at some point address the cultural appropriation of the play within the play yeah I did find myself doing the Chrissy Teigen cringe just watching <laughs> it just like okay and like yeah so the whole play within a play is like based in India all played by like mostly white I characters love, I love when something is like culturally appropriated but they have the mindfulness to be like let's get a bunch of people of that culture and let's put them in the background and let's get all the white people in front yes so we've done our job we've um, we've ticked our boxes we've ticked our boxes you haven't blanche we've browned it up a little bit and we still have <laughs> the milky white alabaster fantasy literally literally they had to change the lights because nicole Kidman was so white and she's yeah. playing an indian person in a play within a play and while they were filming this nicole kidman got a nicole kidman actually got a tan and <laughs> Baz Luhrmann made her go to antarctica for a week um and she was just puttering around in antarctica mm-hmm. uh yeah so i mean any lengths to keep it milky um but so so all of that all of that happens uh, one of the effects that Baz Luhrmann uses in this film that is Dave brought it up earlier but I already had this in my notes so just so Dave knows he's a producer so he's listening so don't listen to this and think oh I put Brandon onto that you didn't the anyways their I... marriage is solid and you can't tell oh me he's leering else. at me through he's leering at me through through the French doors mm. um how dare he how dare he um i know but i wrote this down too boss lerman does this like slow-mo thing in the movie 
Like, he uses it so freely, and it doesn't, like, advance anything. And it doesn't make a moment more... Dave Dave said this, which I am going to... And he's correct. It doesn't make a moment any more dramatic because you have characters randomly doing slow-mo head turns. Can you tell me, like, a situation where that happened? Because I don't remember that, or I don't... He does it... Well, he does it at the end in the scene, and during the death scene, when when they're behind the curtain. There's a moment where you realize that she's dying, and every character's like... But that's just one example. He does it all over the film. He does it in the Roxanne dance number. He does it like mm. over and over again with like I never noticed that. That's a really okay. good point. It, yeah. But there's so I, many other effects that he's that got mind. going on that I get why you wouldn't because there's a lot happening usually in his scenes. But yeah, anyway, that was funny. I also wrote down I love Nicole's pretty sickness because we find out after oh, Nicole so passes true. out and they and she's caught by the large black man mm-hmm. named you know, La Fudge. Um, <laughs> we find out that she ha- that she has the red fever. She's got she's got TB, guys. She has the burp. Well, they never tell us that's what it is, but she does the international. Well, they say for... consumption. They say consumption. Oh, do which, they? Oh, I totally yeah, missed they, that. They call it consumption, which was another name for it. But, but she yeah, does wait, the inter. You have a. You went to school and you got your your surgery degree, right? <laughs> or was that just all. me that went to? <laughs> Do you mean Red medical Cross degree? University, American Red, Red University. <laughs> Actually, I went to Harvard Medical School, bitch, and Ugh. no, I am I'm literally a college dropout, so I've done none of those things. But hey, Kanye, <laughs> Kanye and I are a little different in a couple ways, but yeah, we have He's we a do share than that. You, yeah. <laughs> Um, actually, Kanye is older than me, so okay. I just want I want that on the record. Kanye West is older than me, and I will be young and beautiful forever. Mm-hmm. Sorry, young and beautiful forever, if that wasn't clear. Okay. But Nicole, or Satine, does the international movie sign for this character is dying, and she coughs blood into <laughs> a white handkerchief. And so you Always. know, you know that every single movie where that happens, you're like, that character's dying for sure. That's we're we're losing her. Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, that's I mean that's like the old trope about a gun. Like you don't introduce a gun. Like if you're gonna if a gun's gonna be used at the end of a movie, I don't. Is this just maybe it's just just plays? I don't know. I'm really coming hard with the theater stuff today. I think this. is I love too, it. Well, it, this is based off a lot of plays though too. It, well, so, like, it's really I perfect. Feel, exactly. Yes. La Travi- Traviata. Uh, uh-huh. La, La, Boheme. La Boheme. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's those th- were the two that I know of. I didn't do any. I think there's research. a another one though there um, is another one but i don't Boheme is the i like how our listeners are like you're ignorant people the the group of friends the the bohemians the the, the dreamers the writer who's right. inspired by the friends um the courtesan that's traviata i believe mm-hmm. the, the the story of the, of the courtesan yeah it's like doesn't isn't love. it about a sex worker who like finds true yes. love or something like that okay yeah i've so never it's pulled seen it from a, a lot of it's an amalgamation and Baz Luhrmann was inspired to make this film from those movies and that's probably where his thinking was even though he's incorrect about how he did it but the the Bollywood inspiration being in those theaters and watching mm-hmm. those movies tackle comedy and like turn at the drop of a dime from like comedy to high drama which is very Shakespearean as well that though that, that idea of sort of going through like the which makes sense I mean it's a gamut of the human experience so I mean mm-hmm. I get why that would be a solid foundation but the uproarious sort of you know experience that he had of the uproarious uh 
uh, nature of the audience, sort of being enveloped in these stories and allowing themselves to go there, allowing themselves mm-hmm. to experience the high highs of performance, allowing themselves to experience those low lows and in the in the devastation. It's probably I can only imagine I've not had the pleasure, although I hope one day I do, of going and experiencing something like that in a, a, at a at a Bollywood movie in a theater in India. It, it must be incredible. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But to go on that type of like emotional journey and to come out on the other end, like that like that type of catharsis. I'm sure it must be kind of mm-hmm. therapeutic even. Um, yeah. So, th- so this movie though, it, it touches on all of those different things. And I, I think that it's a little bit though, the coughing, the, the blood, it's, it's a little bit like I, I said, they always say like, if there's a gun that's going to be used, like in a play, like if somebody's going to get shot with a gun in the third act, we need to see that gun. You can't just pull the gun out and shoot somebody. We need to see somebody cleaning the gun. We need to, mm-hmm. in that first act, we need somebody to walk in there and be like, Oh, do you know where my gun is? So we at least established that it's there and i feel like that this is very much you know with its theatrical leanings in that that school of thinking and you're right Mm like nicole kitman is dying but she's she's never been more beautiful while she of course it works in this movie because everything Mm -hmm. is heightened to the nth degree and it is funny you did mention her i i wrote down because like when she's like dying backstage after they do the final play it's like the opening night and she dies in between like the the finale song and curtain call after the yes. curtain drops and she dies so beautifully and I just wrote I love how they really gloss over someone dying in another person's arms like and she looks so beautiful and she looks like a doll who's like closing her eyes for the last time but like in reality if someone was to, like die in your arms it would be like horrifying I'm sure they would like piss and shit all over themselves and like release everything in their body and like drop and feel like a heavy bowling ball in your hands of human flesh. Jane's gonna find a way to bring her kinks into whatever we do in this podcast. <laughs> um, it is... Uh, it's alarming. It's disconcerting. It's typical though. So I can't let myself be shocked by it anymore. I won't. Um, I won't give her the pleasure. But no, you, you are absolutely right. If I was dying in somebody's arms, I would probably claw them up. Um... <laughs> It would be probably a lot of scratching at like trying to hold on to life in some way. Just feel something. I can like, just imagine you just being oh, like, be save me! Like, yeah. ruin it. I can just imagine Dave God. like trying to hold you and you just like, you're coming with me! I have this image of Dave like just throwing, like trying to hold me and then me be- just pushing me over and just being like, enough. Like, and me just being like, oh no, but not yet. Looking at my eyes as I go. Um, no, I don't think you. I think I think at any point when you go, it won't be with dignity. No, although it is funny. I always love it when a character says they're dying. Like she says it, and it's just like, what? Why? We know. Yeah. Like there's a moment she goes, "I am dying." And it's like we get it. Like you've been dying the whole movie, girl. We didn't need her to declare it, Boz. Um, well, there is. Yeah. When does she say? When does she declare she's dying? I when don't he's holding that. her at the end, and oh, he's holding her because he's, because Christian didn't know. I'm dying. Also, okay, here's the other thing. In this movie, there, okay, Jim Broadbent's character says, after she has one of her spells, he says, she can't know she's dying. The show must go on. Mm-hmm. Which is like, how dare you? 
<laughs> like you sir you don't have to make that call <laughs> no but that's why that's when you re- i mean you start to realize that's the, di- that's the dichotomy of his of character harry ziedler yeah, he's yeah. her father figure but not at the expense of the club or his money or greed you know he, he's there's this ruthlessness to him which is i mean in a way i feel like i think this is a derogatory word to use and if it is my mm-hmm. apologies but i'll let you know the, if, I, if i know <laughs> but carney i don't know if carney's is considered like a derogatory oh. word or not but I know, but it's I that sort know. of, it's that, min, it's like this, this feels like, um, almost like an olden days version of it. I, I just, what I know of the Carney lifestyle, especially when we're talking like early 1900s, I mean, it was, it was, a there was an aspect and a sense of community among them, but also there was like a little bit of a ruthlessness and an mm-hmm. unpredictability. And they didn't know a lot of times where their next meals were coming from. And mm-hmm. I think that it's that sort of kill or be killed. You know, she's dying regardless. Like we might as well, if, if she can die and also like help us, you know, in some way then like, but she's not given that choice. And it's not like, Oh, you're not doing well. Maybe, maybe we find somebody else to fill in for her. It's mm-hmm. like, no, like she's she's gonna she's gonna help us open this play up. That's what she's Mm-mm. gonna do. She's gonna make it till the end of opening night. Whether we like it or not. Whether whether she whether likes, she it, likes or not. it or not, and she'll be dead. So whatever. Well, I do wonder because like the first song is like so exciting, it will run for fifty years, and then it's like she dies after opening night. <laughs> so like, also, is it gonna she run? has a feigning spell in that room. She has a feigning spell right after she sort of the Duke, that whole thing happens. She she has a feigning spell. Christian sort of gets her to the bed. The Duke comes in. It's, you know, they have to come up with an idea. But literally within five minutes of having that feigning spell, she is up doing the fucking can-can with the whole crew. <laughs> she's like rocking around on her knees. She's hopping. She's parkouring up the wall. And like, it's like, you were legit. You're dying of consumption. You were just on the bed. You couldn't even open your eyes. And you're twerking. What's going on, Nicole? <laughs> I wonder... Really okay, so I have never fainted before. Have you ever fainted? No, I've come close to it, which is basically the same thing. Okay, so no, you've never fainted. That's the answer to that question. <laughs> oh, once again, <laughs> writing my history. Cute. I don't know what it feels like to come th- come to from fainting. No, I've I never like... fainted. And if my big ass fainted, I would be up <laughs> shit's creek. Because anybody who tried to catch me would hurt themselves. You'd be better off. If you see me, like, feigning into something, then just, like, give me, like, a push, like, away. Like, if you if there's, like, a loose Oh, like, a push away ground. from... Okay. Standing upright, ready for you to fall upon. Yeah, like, something, like, push me away from it. But, like, okay. push me towards a couch or towards some pillows on the ground. You know? I, but... I just feel like, what if you're not near any of that? What if you're, like, on... Like, I'm just... I'm also, like, taking notes for future. Like, if I'm ever with you and you start to faint and we're, like, in an asphalt, like, parking lot... What do I do? Do I not try to catch you? I mean, truthfully, we'd both go down, but I would be able to at least break your fall, which you would help, be able okay, to yeah, do. Okay, yeah, like break my fall. That's it. Because like, you'd help. be unconscious, but I would be able to like reach my hands back. So you could fall on top of me, but I would be able to sort of brace myself more than you would be able to. So it actually would be better for me to try to catch you. And I'm glad we've worked this out in the off chance that this happened. Or punch me away from you. <laughs> Then you would, like, crack your head open on the asphalt. If I'm already headed down to the ground, or help me get there faster, like, if I'm feigning, then push me from the front like come around and just push me so i hit so i get to the ground brandon this is the worst advice ever maybe i grab you by the back of your shoulders and help you slowly go down 
Yeah, that's probably the nice. Yeah, the nice thing to do. Vintage First of all, you're talking. You're you're talking about my kinks, but your kinks like clearly you want me to hurt you. Yeah, that's one of my kinks is <laughs> unconscious pain. I want pain where I'm unconscious, and so if you tell me about it or something like that, or if you like, never mind. That was a horrible joke. I was gonna. Make. <laughs> So anyway, so yeah, so that was, so that's a really, a really funny, um, funny moment for me. I also wrote down, I wrote down, and I, we just talked about this, but the whole thing about like, about the bargaining chip nature of like the relationship where Harry is sort of like, it, it's like her death is the bargaining chip. And it, it, mm-hmm. it, it just, I think it really like. It was really, it was the moment where I wrote down, this is so dramatic. I wrote down, is the real villain in this play Harry? <laughs> <laughs> but I well, felt yeah, in the moment because I, I was I like. I think so, yeah. I, mean, I think a little he's a bit. part of it. Yeah. I think it's, because he's he is, worse, he's worse than the Duke because it's like, because you don't see it coming and because it's under the guise of love. I think that is really should be observed. And I think I agree with that because he pretends to be a friend to her, but he enables the Duke at every turn in order to get what he wants. And that is a snake in the grass, my friends. And does, okay, does she know she's dying, Jane? You said she does. Okay, so this is, okay, right after Chocolat saves her life. The movie? Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I got confused. Chocolat, the chorus dancer who saves her at every turn yeah after um, mr goodbar saves her <laughs> he saves her from the duke attacking her the night mm-hmm. before opening night and he brings her back to christian and she's like i couldn't do it i couldn't sleep with the duke he wanted me to but i couldn't do it because i love you and i t- and he knew and he saw that i loved you and he knew and like obviously i'm crying at this point some you know you're probably crying or whatever nope. but we're all feeling emotional <laughs> and then they're like it's okay satine we can leave this very night and we don't have to do this play and let's get out of here and let's be in love forever and blah 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 and he's like chocolate take her back to the room again ordering him around another thank you sight and so she goes back to her room to like pack and then Harry Ziedler shows up and he's like Satine you can't leave blah 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 the Duke holds the deed to the Moulin Rouge like everything will be lost and she's like I don't care I'm in love it's fine I'm leaving and then he goes you're dying Satine and she stops and she takes pause and that is the thing that makes her stay. And he's like, you have to make him believe you don't love him. Speaking about Christian. Yeah. And the thing is that I wrote down actually, because I was like, if someone told me that I was dying, the very last thing I would want to do is stick around. Because yeah, I would I wrote be like, that, yeah. I would want to spend the rest of my days with the person I was madly in love with. Yeah, you'd want to have a cute little week. Before mm-hmm. you, you know. And I'd also be like, hey, Christian, the Duke is going to try to have you killed. So, like, keep an eye out, sweetie. So, does that mean? Because we see a moment where the doctor talks to Ziegler. Like, yes. Earlier. That was before. Yeah. So, but it's like, she's been, you know, hawking up blood loogies into napkins this whole time. <laughs> so, is he essentially, like, telling her, like, oh, you're Gucci, girl. 
<laughs> given her like an emergency to take and then he's like you're gonna be tip top shape and she's like i've legit just been like vomiting blood for like years now though fam so you sure <laughs> So we're he's sure like, this is okay. We're cool. And he's like, no, you're on the mid now. He like, <laughs> he hands her a Flintstones vitamin and he's just like, you're getting, and then he puts a bandaid, one of those little like dinosaur bandaids on her knee. And she's like, what? I don't, do you know what happened here? <laughs> he's that like, girl, you're this. vitamin B deficient. Problem solved. Oh yeah. He's like, like, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he hands her a glass of milk. He's like, you get some vitamin D. In you, and then you're going to be up can canning with the best of them. To, and she's to like, your... I'm getting, I don't need to worry about that. I'm getting plenty of vitamin D for my boy Christian. And he's like, you're definitely not dying of consumption, though. That's the thing I do know, and I can tell you. It's like, okay. oh, wait. And now I'm going to wait till you're passed out to mention it to Ziedler over here. Yeah, because they don't give a shit. Satine passes fuck. out. They splash some water in her face. They chuck some smelling salts up her nostril. And they're like, you better get into this gig, girl. We got a club full of people. They're like, hold on, let me tie. It's clear it's because your corset wasn't tight enough. So let me just go ahead and squeeze yeah, those organs we're in. we're tighten it so bit. much. It's that extra wind you've been, you've been breathing too much. That's why you're all fucked up. No, I was going to say, okay, also I read that apparently, I, it's unclear if she was like next in line for the part, but Courtney Love was like apparently very highly considered for this part. And apparently, like, had a really, really... It's funny, because they, they, they made it seem like it was a beef, but it sounded like a one-sided beef, because, I mean, Nicole's been winning. Not like Courtney Love's not winning in life, too, but I just mean, like, <laughs> Nicole's, you know, got the part and I think moved on. But they were just like, Courtney Love, like, it was a point of contention. Like, Courtney Love really <laughs> was upset that she lost out. And Boz Lerman apparently referred to them in an interview. He said that they were, like, fire and ice. Courtney was fire, and Nicole was ice. And then Courtney Love referred to Nicole Kipman as a wet puddle after that <laughs> and wrote a song on a whole album called Miss World about like no. loosely based on Nicole Kidman. She didn't she didn't write the song about her. Here we go. Courtney Love apologist. And I could have told you guys this. She's predictable the way she is. She's predictable. I, I was and attention. continue to be a whole fan, okay? And she didn't write you... that song. She didn't Jane write that Courtney song. Guys, so that I actually did see Courtney. I know. I know. Okay, you know the story. Okay, for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm your best fucking friend. What do you mean? <laughs> I can't remember what stories you've heard and what. It's you a haven't. great story. That's why I. That's why I remember it. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to tell the story really quick? Of course, yeah, go for it. Okay, I was walking in Harvard Square. I grew up in Boston. Well, I grew up in Cambridge, and I was skipping class, and I was in Harvard Square, and it was kind of empty because it was like the middle of a school slash work day. I was in high school, and I was walking down the street with my friend, and I saw a person dressed in black with white blonde hair and a big black hat and black sunglasses and she was walking towards me down the street and we were walking towards her in the other direction and all of a sudden I I realized who it was she was walking with another person and right before we pass each other on the sidewalk I go oh my god that's Courtney Love and then she pulls her sunglasses down and brings her finger up to her mouth and goes, shh, and keeps walking. It was the coolest thing that anybody's ever, ever, ever done in my presence. And I freaked the fuck out. I just was like, oh my God. And so 
since then, I, well, A, I've always loved Courtney Love. I always think, I've always thought she was an interesting person. No, 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 Courtney Courtney Love's awesome, yeah. She's really talented. She's a very smart woman. I don't know much about her personal life or anything like that, but I do think she's really cool. And I do think this would be an entirely different movie if Courtney Love played Satine. But I'd be willing to watch it. I do want to say, I feel Mm -hmm. like it should be noted, the story in my head could Mm. not be more different than that story. (gasps) I think that you told me the story a long time ago. And Mm -hmm. first of all, this is one of my favorite stories to tell. When I I told this, I've told this story at least 10 to 15 times. Oh my God. I, it's a great celebrity encounter story, but mm-hmm. I want you to know my story is so completely different from that story. <gasps> I think that my story? brain has just like taken it <laughs> and really gone into overdrive. So in my version of the story, first of all, you were in LA visiting okay. your friend Allie. Nope. You were walking down, you were in Beverly Hills. You were walking down a really busy street like on Rodeo. And Courtney Love walked up by you and you turned and you realized it was her. And you don't say, oh my God, it's Courtney Love. You let out an audible gasp. Courtney Love grabs your hand, <laughs> squeezes it. It goes like this. She does do the thing with the finger, which is just like she gives you the shh sign, but she holds your hand and oh, you guys walk to the end of the block together. And then she she turns down the street and you keep going straight. And she just says, thank you. And for not like saying anything, for not like making a declaration in this crowded street that she was there. And you know what? You guys go I, your think, separate ways. I think she I do think she may have said thank you to me. OK. When I didn't say anything. Well, she, I mean, she has, she didn't, my version, she will continue to. (laughs) My story is a little bit more. Did not walk down. I I wish we'd held hands and walked down the street, but we didn't. We just like passed. It's literally, that's my version of the story is her squeezing your arm. You go like, (gasps) and she squeezes your arm to just, which is just like the international, just like, please don't say anything. Please don't. Oh my God. And and also like, I'm, I'm going to give you this moment with me, like this private one-on-one moment. We're going to have this right now. And this is, you know, so you have a story to tell your friends, but also I get to sort of have the peace of like, you know, not oh being mobbed God. by fans. And wow, that's, that's actually so like, that's so funny. But now that you do say, I do, now I'm remembering she did say thank you to me. She goes, shh, thank you. Oh, okay. That's great. Now that so. I, I forgot about that part, but that it, that did happen. But certainly, she we did not hold hands. That's but we that's not, an intense one. That one we and Jane also we didn't. We're gonna get into this right now, but Jane did also have sex with Brad Pitt. But that's a whole other. Story. <laughs> um, oh, another lifetime ago, sweetie. Right. It was on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Things and it were... is actually filmed. And Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston are quite mad at me. Yeah. Well, that was when Angelina Jolie was like, "What about me, Braddy?" And he was like, <laughs> he... "What about you? I've got the hottest <laughs> well, chick." But eventually he made his choice, so what can I say about it, you know? Right? You go, girl. (laughs) Um, So so that all happened. um, And everything was true that was just said. Um, And then also, I I wrote down that Nicole Kidman towards the... There's a moment towards the end where Nicole Kidman is really sweaty, and I just thought it was funny because I can't imagine a world where Nicole Kidman sweats. No, Um, she probably has written in her contracts after this movie that she's not allowed to sweat. And she probably doesn't. Well, I mean, in this movie, she clearly doesn't either 
this like sprayed bottle on her forehead in like the most beautiful way because I yeah it's that beautiful and more I sweat. misty than anything. <laughs> um, she yeah she doesn't really sweat and she like coos every like ten minutes. <laughs> um, so very that. So that that all really really is um, that that was part of what I had down. I also jokingly wrote down why do you think that they only show Legozamo from the waist out? But I also didn't know that John Wait, Legozamo. Why? <laughs> I don't get that joke. Oh, it was because I was just joking because they tried to make him a well he his character was a little person and so mm-hmm. it was just a joke that i was making why they only show him from the waist up because like because he's not actually a little person and so they were like doing like the camera angles to try and like give that vibe yeah i guess <laughs> i don't get the joke <laughs> it was just funny to me that like they were like doing like these really odd camera oh angles. you mean like they could have hired a little person but instead they're yes. doing these like fun okay i see what you're saying <laughs> i mean I mean, obviously they hired john leguizamo because he's a name he's a great character actor and he exactly an and i would never take this part away from him but certainly we need to be hiring people who are you know who um, can play the part without doing funny camera angles but anyways. exactly uh, but he's wonderful but i but i did note like i read that he apparently had to do physical therapy after this film because i read that did too, you read that he was, too because a was lot on of his the, knees I think so the much knees and the squatting and stuff i mean basically we're at the end i mean we really talked yeah. about most of of the things that i want pretty much everything that i want to talk about i did note that as nicole is dying christian asks literally no questions and I thought that was funny. He doesn't turn. He doesn't say, wait, what? He doesn't look around to say, does anybody else understand this? As far as I knew, she was perfectly healthy. And she's just fallen into my arms and whispered, I'm dying. And she didn't say like, I'm dying. I got TB. She didn't say anything. It's just, I'm dying. And he, and he literally is just like, what? What? I, I, that's more. What I just did was more. He doesn't say anything. <laughs> no, he just observes. He, he doesn't just even cries. say like someone get someone get a doctor. Somebody mm. help her. Nothing. He just like he says, accepts it. Okay. And, that's, says, and maybe that's what was going out. down in the 1800s because people were dying <laughs> earlier. So maybe when you came home and your wife <laughs> fell on the floor and was like, "I'm dying," it was just like, "Let's charge you." Like, game. <laughs> Charge it to the game and move on because there's always gonna be another Satine, I guess. Moving. Also, I read that there was a did you read there was a version of the script where she had a three year old son? I did, yeah, I, I did realize that. I she thought had, that would have been cute. There was I a thought version that would have been cute script. too, but it would have been a lot. But, uh, and there, but and he would like, have had someone though, he would have had a piece of her after no. she died though, because it the whole story originally, which honestly, I would have liked that better. I think the story at the beginning when he's at the typewriter that was that was. <laughs> Do you him talking the, to his three-year-old telling the story to her son mm-hmm. and i there's something about that would have been sweet to me just him sort of like having a piece of sateen to sort of like love and nurture and like i agree with that but at the same time i really like that he because so often so many stories have used used the trope of like someone telling the story to the child which i think is always interesting or whatever but i really actually liked the device of him using the typewriter and and creating this story out of the like incredible tragedy that he had experienced and that way he was able to like turn it into something and I think that that is like without getting too deep about a movie that isn't 
probably that deep is like that is the him living out his bohemian ideal mm-hmm. and his dream of having this incredible love that which he can use to you know spearhead his art and 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 write about the thing that means the most to him because that's not something he had at the beginning of the movie so he got he fell in love and had this incredible incredible story but it had to end in tragedy in order for him to create maybe uh so i i did like that but i i do i do like a world where he has something yeah. left of her. But yeah, so that was it was it. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun. Would you watch it again? I would. The first time I watched it, at the end of it, I was like, oh my God, I hate this movie. I'm never watching this again. <laughs> the second time I was I was actually charmed by it and I would watch it again. I actually okay. I have this is different. It's Okay. I'm gonna I'm doing I didn't run this by anybody. Because, oh okay, we're know, going I rogue, just, baby. We are. We're going. We're going rogue one. Mm-hmm. Is that a Star Wars? That's Star Wars. Right? I think that's a Star Wars. Yeah, I wouldn't. Maybe know, Star but... Trek. I don't know. I shouldn't have gotten to that. <laughs> I, I don't have the foundation to make references like that. And um, I don't have. I don't have the one to check you. So blindly in the blind. <laughs> um. So I have. I can't. I have two movies, and oh. I want to give you the opportunity <gasps> to pick. Oh my god! Whichever one you don't pick, I will come up at some point. Of course, I know, but yeah. right now I'll give you the opportunity to pick the movies. You ready? <gasps> this is okay. This is a fun game. I'm really excited. <laughs> okay, so I have Junior. <gasps> okay, and I have Enough. <gasps> oh my god, those are both really, really, really good ones. Very different films. Very different films, but. I think I know right off the bat which one I want to choose. Okay, which one? I think I want to go with Enough. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you think I was going to go I junior? really thought you were going to go with Junior. Okay. Okay, here's why okay. I'm... Do you want to know why I went yeah, with Yeah, enough? I do. Okay. Um, obviously, <laughs> J-Lo stan yeah, since of course. day one. I love J-Lo. Um, and I have regretted not seeing this movie for a really long time and Brandon and I have talked about me not yes. seeing this movie that's true a hundred times that's so true. I think there's going to be a lot for us to go over yes. and I think the least of which is going to be her wig yeah it's a yeah it's a doozy it's a, it's a choice and a lot of people are guilty there are a lot the thing is I know uh, well I don't know but I can imagine that a lot of people had to approve that wig and it somehow made it to the big screen and we've been upset about it ever since ever since and all it would have taken was one person in the room uttering the title of the movie to stop it all <laughs> okay i'm really really excited i can't wait okay so this is gonna be fun all right yeah and awesome. this was fun too i enjoyed talking to you again jane it's you're a sexy fun. woman um you are also a sexy w- woman thank you yeah, and thank you guys for continuing to listen to us. Thank you for list for listening. We we just had our one millionth listener. We're mm-hmm. number one on Spotify <laughs> and every other podcast chart. It seems apparently mm-hmm. so. Everything and is and just literally happening. everybody in the world has heard of us in our podcast, and we're being nominated for everything. <laughs> yeah, I yeah Jane was nominated for uh, a lifetime achievement um, award from the the webbies 
and um things are really really moving forward for us it's exciting it's scary but it's Mm -hmm. like i'm not taking my seatbelt off and getting getting out of this car (laughs) you know yeah anyways we love you guys and we are grateful if you're listening and we hate if you're not yeah we really do we really (laughs) lean into the hate around here we're petty people Mm -hmm. um so have a good weekend we'll see you soon bye bye